0: If you're good at something, never do it for free.
1: Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up. Just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up. Just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and, and HJ podcast. Today I've my brother Michael on as we talk week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, we're really excited to talk about all the, the games that ended up happening this weekend with all the playoff implications. We can't believe it's already at the end of the regular season, but we have playoff football to look forward to this weekend as we break down Wild Card Weekend, and there's a ton of good games. The four matchups that we have this weekend look extremely, extremely juicy. So me and my brother break that down, and we're really excited to talk football talk about all the chances that these playoff teams have in making a Super Bowl run and we also talk about the fired coaches um, that got let go on Black Monday and our Jets coach Todd Bowles ended up getting let go so we react to that and we also kind of try to predict who we would want as the next Jets head coach so thanks for listening guys And if you guys haven't rated or subscribed on iTunes, I highly recommend that. And we just kind of wish you a happy New Year's from the Kevin and H.J. podcast and just sit back and enjoy. So let's give my brother a call.
2: Hello. Hey, Mike. So uh, thanks for coming back on the podcast this week. I'm excited. First weekend of the playoffs for the NFL wild Card weekend. There's so much stuff going on. Um, regular season's now over. Um, and we're in this busy Christmas, New Year's um, period. You ended up coming back to the East Coast last week. Now you're back over in SF. Uh, having a good time out there but let's talk football Mike in terms of all the stuff that's been going going on here. Uh week seventeen, what were your thoughts in general about how everything turned out in terms of the playoff picture? Yeah, happy New Year's to you Kev and uh happy, happy new, new Year to the listeners yep. Today's uh January first twenty nineteen So, yeah, I mean, what other way to start off in the year with talking about, you know, what better way to start off 2019 than talking about football. And uh, a lot of exciting stuff happened this weekend. And, you know, just to call out a few of the games that I thought were particularly interesting. I mean, first off, Bears versus Vikings, sadly, was a little bit off on this one. I, You know, trusted the Vikings at home here. Didn't really think the Bears were going to play their best game. But, um, you know, the Bears got the win here. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but also talking about the Eagles, Redskins, looking at the Nick Foles resurgence. Um, and finally, I mean, Colts Titans with Andrew Luck looking that well, like how, how far could the Colts potentially go in the playoffs? Yeah. And I think what you outlined there were some interesting storylines heading into the playoffs, but before we even get to that, I'll just list out all the teams and their seeds, in the playoffs. So in the AFC, the number 1 seed is the Chiefs. They ended up uh sewing that up by beating the Raiders this weekend. The number 2 seed is the Patriots. They so they ended up solidifying their spot by beating the Jets, absolutely pummeling the Jets by that 38 to 3 score. Yeah, did I'm, I'm happy it I happened.
0: Did,
2: did not really watch any part of that game at all because I just wanted the Jets to lose, get as high of a draft pick as possible, and I think the Jets Mm -hmm. are picking number three as of right now, so pretty happy with that. Wanted to lose that game so they can get a top-five pick and see if we could get a pass rusher. Anyways, number three, the Houston Texans are sitting at number three. Number four is the Baltimore Ravens, and they ended up having an extremely, extremely exciting game against a Baker Mayfield-led team in the Cleveland Browns. Number five seed is the L.A. Chargers. And then the number six team is the Indianapolis Colts, um, who had a do-or-die playoff type of game away at Tennessee this past weekend. So, like when just talking about – I guess talking about the AFC playoff picture – And some of some of your thoughts, that first game of the weekend is Indianapolis versus Houston. And I thought it was fascinating watching that Indianapolis uh, versus Tennessee game, that Sunday night game. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: the reason why I found it fascinating was Tennessee seemed to not have a lot of the players that they had that really brought them to that stage. Of the regular season. Yeah. Marcus Mariota was out. Darrell Casey, who was probably their only interior lineman on the defensive line that provided pressure for that Tennessee Titans defense, wasn't playing either. And it really showed in that game because that defensive line was not able to get any pressure on Andrew Luck. Yeah, I mean, it... It looked a little bit like Andrew Luck was just controlling uh, that game um, from what I was seeing. But, I mean, the first thing that I sort of notice when I think about the AFC is just, I, I, it's a little bit weaker than the NFC, right? That was sort of the overall reaction. When I look at these teams here, like, I, I mean, the Ravens, like the Colts, like the Texans, like none of these teams strike me as like a, a true Super Bowl contender, if that makes sense.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And even
2: with New England being like the number two seed here, it's definitely one of the weakest New England teams we've seen in a long time. A long, long time. Yeah. Even though they just beat our Jets 38 to three. Right. Exactly. But it's just the talent level doesn't seem there for this New England team. And it also seems like the chemistry doesn't, doesn't seem like it's the same type of chemistry that Brady has with his receivers in the past. Yeah, and and they just really don't have that skilled player in New England like they used to in the past. Like, you know, Josh Gordon was potentially the, that guy, but you know he's out, <laughs> probably out of football for, forever at this point. And then we have Gronkowski, who just really does not look the same. Like, you know, we kept talking about it on the podcast that maybe they're saving him, uh, for the playoffs. But you know, if you're watching the games, it doesn't really look like he's the same type of player at this point. Right, he just seems like. Seems a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that be his body breaking down, I'm not exactly sure, but it just seems like he's slowing down a lot in yeah. comparison to past years. Now, I mean, getting back to that Colts and Titans game this past weekend, it just seemed like Andrew Luck had every control of that offense. And the good thing about this offense that has had a marked improvement over past years is the offensive line has been able to protect Andrew Luck extremely well in pa- compared to past years. I think I read a stat over the weekend that Andrew Luck has been the least hit quarterback in the whole entire league, whereas wow. before his injury he was one of the most – uh, hit quarterbacks in the whole whole league, so that drastic change has really helped him Im- helped improve him getting rid of the ball. Also, I think it's a function of him getting rid of the ball a lot quicker in that Frank Reich type of offense that yep. has really helped save his body. Yeah, I think Frank Reich deserves a lot of credit here for just the type of offense that he's implemented. That's a lot more like quick passes, like a lot more shorter, like short routes that get the ball out of Andrew Luck's hand immediately. So I think that's a lot of what it has to do with um, just, you know, Luck's success and not getting pressured as much, sacked as much. But also, you know, when you draft like a player with like Quentin Nelson, like with your sixth pick of the overall drafted, an extremely high position for uh, offensive linemen. You know, you're know you going to start to see improvements in that offense in the uh, pass protection. And what really impressed me about this Indianapolis team is they don't really have this heralded running back, but Marlon Mack has been able to perform extremely well for them over the past couple weeks or so. He ended up mm-hmm. running for 120 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Wilkins got a couple carries. Uh, Naheem Hines, who they utilize on the outside being kind of like a slot receiver trying to play with those matchups has, I think the second most receptions as a running back behind hmm. Saquon Barkley as a rookie. Um, so he ha- he's being utilized out of the backfield and we didn't even touch on T Y Hilton. who's kind of on a bum ankle right now, but he he's always that deep threat for Andrew Luck and Eric Ebron is that red zone target for them yeah no i agree i mean this offense is definitely potent it's just on the defensive side you know they're they're sort of led by this you know by the the, uh the rookie um you know linebacker uh, yeah so i'm not i'm not really sure like in the playoffs how well he's going to perform you know just that experience factor i tend to place a lot of importance on uh it did bite me a little bit with the vikings game but um you know, overall, when we look at the Colts here, and you know, look into the AFC playoffs, how how dangerous do you think they could be? I mean, I think with the way Andrew Luck has been looking, it looks extremely possible that the Colts can make a deep run as a six seed, and they are, from what I can remember in recent memory, there's it seems to be seems to me that they're one of the stronger wild card teams mm-hmm. that I can remember that has a legitimate shot at going further into the playoffs and maybe that's a combination of the the stuff that you were alluding to in terms of a weakened top of the conference and maybe a more balanced conference overall yeah so if you are you know if you are the Patriots. You're about to play either the Texans or the Colts. Who would you rather play here? I think I'm. Play- I'd rather play the Houston Texans if I'm the. Yeah, if I if agree. I'm the Patriots because not that Indianapolis-, Indianapolis particularly scares me if I'm the Patriots,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but and and if Indianapolis won, the Patriots wouldn't play them because the Patriots would be playing oh. the higher seed out of the two. Yep. So, but. Just to kind of go through that exercise, I, if I'm the Patriots, I'd probably rather play Houston just because Andrew Luck is the quarterback. And when we get a, get to these one-off type of playoff games, I always tend to look at the quarterback because he's going to be making the biggest decisions at the most most critical times and critical points of the game. Right. I mean, when you have a quarterback like Andrew Luck, I I think that this is one of those sneaky like six seeds that could go for a run and when I look at them I, I mean I, I I'd rather I, I'd be more scared of the Colts, um than the Texans and the Ravens actually here. Just mm-hmm. because, you know, the quarterback here. Right. So I mean also just kind of looking at that game between Indianapolis and Houston. And like, let's, let's preview it a little bit and kind of see what we think ends up happening in this game between Mm -hmm. these two teams. I mean, for me, I think what's going to be really fascinating is seeing what happens with the running game of Indianapolis. And if they're able to establish a running game against that, Houston Texans defense with J.J. Watt with Jadeveon Clowney it, I'm, I'm curious as to see if that offensive line can control those defensive linemen and whether or not they can establish a run game so that Andrew Luck can ha- feel a little bit more comfortable uh, getting rid of the football when he drops back because then the defenders defensive line will be more mindful of a running attack I'm not exactly sure how that's going to be able to play out. Um, I mean, these two these two teams know each other extremely well, being divisional uh, rivals or divisional mm-hmm. um, teams that they that play twice a year, and they went one and one this year. So it's it's a, it's not that big of a mismatch between a three and a six seed that we usually think of, because I think. These teams know each other extremely well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean the line here for Houston is just minus one and a half. Mm-hmm. Um which is relatively you know, relatively low for well, because, the home field advantage team. Right. And that means on the neutral field.
0: Yeah uh, the Colts would be the,
2: favored. Yeah, the Colts would be favored. So I mean who who do you have winning the game overall, Kev? And why? Um, I think in terms of who I have winning the game, in this case, I think I'm taking Indianapolis. And the like, right now I'm like pulling. I, it's so hard to decide like who is playing who. But I think I was really impressed with how Andrew Luck looked in you mm-hmm. know playoff type of that atmosphere yep. against the Titans. Way too right my my only trepidation about that is how well the the Indianapolis Colts defense holds up against that Texans offense um i mean the Texans have DeAndre Hopkins who's an extremely talented player Deshaun Watson's going to get his first look at the playoffs this year so i think it, it kind of goes back to that theory of me kind of looking at the quarterback and which quarterback do I ultimately trust more. And even in a road game I'd probably trust Andrew Luck a little bit more than Deshaun Watson. Not to say that Deshaun Watson's gonna have a bad game, but I think the playoffs are just a different animal. And I I think that a lot of first team or first year players or first time playoff participants kind of can get shell shocked in 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 that playoff atmosphere because of how much it's ramped up. Yeah, I mean I I think I'd agree with you. I I, I have the Colts winning and I think it comes down to Andrew Luck one. I think I I just think that he's such a fantastic quarterback, I'm not sure um, that – I'm not sure, you know, with Demaryius Thomas also out, right, that Mm -hmm. I really trust, like, a Bill O'Brien offense here in the playoffs. I just don't trust it yet, even though they did have that long winning streak, right? I'm just not Mm -hmm. sure I I could trust Bill O'Brien as a coach yet, right? I I mean, after – if he wins his playoff game, obviously he's going to start to get the reputation and credentials here and sort of the trust. But – as of now, like you can't really, you know, not many people trust in Bill
0: O'Brien at this point.
2: Right. And I mean, I think Indianapolis um, really has a good grasp of where they're at right now in terms of establishing this running game. They Mm -hmm. started off one and five this season. They ended on an extremely hot streak, finishing nine and one to go 10 and six for the year. And I think they've really figured out their identity in trying to establish a run first and then get the ball out quickly to some of their playmakers and protect Andrew Luck and, from from injuries and from hits uh, from the defense. So expect a lot of quick passing from yep. that Frank Reich offense. Yep, totally agree. So, yeah, we both have the Colton teams. Yep. So it seems like we both have the Colts. I'm I'm kinda curious to see what what our choices are for the other games. Um so that next game, that Saturday night game that's on Fox at eight fifteen Eastern time, five fifteen Pacific, um, is the Seattle at Dallas game. Um, it looks like uh Dallas is favored by two and a half points, at least from the line that I'm looking at right now. Um and it's, it, I think it's a fascinating matchup. Um, they played earlier in the year, in week three, but that seems like that's ages ago. It, yeah, it, totally different teams at this point. total, Totally, totally different teams. Um, and it's extremely tough to kind of base some of the things that ended up happening in that week three game. I'm sure that, both teams are going to be able to look at tapes to see some of the things that each team does concept-wise. But specifically, I think, obviously, people are they're going to both try to change things up going into this playoff matchup. Yeah, I mean, they are two relatively similar teams, like you were saying. Um, both are... I mean, both of them, I think their real strengths really come from their defense still uh, where, I mean, with the Seahawks, you could argue Russell Wilson and the defense, but um, they both are probably going to try and keep the game relatively low scoring. I could see this game being, you know, like a 24 to like 21 type of game, like 24, like 14 type of game. Like, you know, it's not going to be too high scoring in my opinion here, but I mean, for me, I sort of like the Cowboys here at home,
0: right? Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, I like the Cowboys here. Uh, Dak Prescott looked pretty fantastic last week against the Giants. Um, I'm not sure why they're trying so hard in sort of a meaningless game, but, uh, you know, he did look pretty fantastic. Four touchdowns, I believe, last week, right? Yeah, and And then he ended up having that late touchdown to win it. Yep. Exactly. So I, I, I sort of like the Cowboys here. I mean, the Seahawks have looked really good, but they just don't, you know, they, they struggled with some interesting teams here, right? So they really struggled against, you know, the Cardinals for some reason, um, you know, even though they got the victory 27 24, right? And the Cardinals just- had no incentive because the Cardinals, yeah. if they lost that game, would have gotten the number one, or have the number one pick. So it yeah, was such exactly. a tight game. So, and Seattle was at that point still playing. I think still playing for some playoff positioning, whether they or not they were going to be the five or six seed. So, it was. It, it was still good that they ended up winning that game, but it just seemed. I don't know what it was. They seemed a little stagnant. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at this, it's like they they barely beat a Cardinals team and you know they win by a touchdown against the Chiefs, right? So, you know, something about the Seahawks team I just don't trust at this point. Um so I'm gonna go with the Cowboys here. Right. I think that's gonna be a relatively low scoring game. Maybe like twenty you know I'll say like twenty one to like seventeen here. Okay. Yeah, and I, I mean with this team I just feel that I, I mean, with with this game, it just seems like they're both very similar types of teams that are going to try to do the same thing. They're yep. both teams that are going to rely heavily on their run games at first with Ezekiel Elliott for Dallas and then Seattle's like three-headed monster of Rashad Penny, Mike Davis, and Chris Carson. I think those guys are really going to rotate in and out and see – and Seattle it relies he- extremely heavy on their run game, and that's going to be able to set up the pass so that Russell Wilson's going to be able to make decisions whether going down the field to Doug Baldwin or Tyler Lockett. So I think that they're, they're going to have very similar types of game plans and game styles. They're going to try to really rely heavily on their defense rely on their ball control running game, and try to limit a lot of the possessions. And it's I could see it being a very big field pos- position game, and that could kind of be in favor of Seattle with Michael Dixon, who's, I don't know, we're shouting out a punter for the first time in the podcast, <laughs> but he he's probably going to have a pretty valuable role in this game I'm envisioning. Um, I'm actually going Seattle in this game.
1: Yeah, you've liked and Seattle
2: this whole season. Yeah, I I just feel like Russell is has the experience in the playoffs,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: he's very unflappable. And even though he's had that mistake in the Super Bowl with the interception, probably should have ran the ball. All that stuff, you know. Like I I trust Russell Wilson over what Dak provides and I think Dak while he had a great game against the Giants he's shown a lot of inconsistencies throughout the year
1: yeah Um, I agree
2: and that's a little bit worrisome and I would kind of expect Seattle this week to really really load the box probably double team uh Amari Cooper on the outside and Mm. probably try to ask like Cole Beasley or Michael Gallup to beat them one-on-one um and I think that's probably the game plan that Seattle's going to go for. Just say, hey, we're going to man up Michael um, Michael Gallup and Cole Beasley, see if one of those guys can hurt them and go, go off. And if they can, um, more power to the, for, to the Dallas Cowboys, but we're not going to let Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper beat us. That's interesting. Yeah. No, you've always liked Se- Seattle uh, this whole season. So shout out to Kevin for – Making that prediction early on, and uh, you know, calling the Seahawks to make the playoffs. But yeah, no, I have the Cowboys for this for this game. Yeah, and I feel like we should kind of maybe do. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe we should kind of do a pool or something for uh, for the playoffs to see how we did on our picks, um, and and kind of report how we did at the end mm-hmm. of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So, no, so I could be I'll interesting. So I'll keep a tally on that right now. So you have Dallas, and I have Seattle, and then you we both have Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for that next game, the Sunday Sunday one o'clock game, LA Chargers versus Baltimore. That I think is probably uh, the both both Sunday matchups are really fun too. The Philly Chicago game at four forty but i think the la chargers baltimore game is one of the more fascinating matchups this this weekend because of all because of the recency of them playing two mm-hmm. weeks ago week 16 and how baltimore ended up beating la and la's had a chance at that one seed this week if kansas city had lost to the raiders which Most likely wasn't going to happen, but L.A. had a shot at the number one seed. And as a result of them both being in the same division, the L.A. Chargers ended up being in the number five seed and having to travel 3,000 miles cross country to Baltimore and play an away game against the Ravens, who are on a hot streak with Lamar Jackson six and one really established this running game and kind of similar to what Seattle and um, Dallas are like. They're really relying heavily on their running games and their defense. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is definitely an interesting game. Like we both have really liked the chargers um, throughout this whole year. Vegas seems to favor Baltimore by two. I have two and a half points as a line here. Yep, two so, and a half at home. Yeah, so I have two and a half at home, uh, which is you know, I, I think is a little bit high actually. Right. I I I wanna favor the Chargers overall here. Um I mean it's not like the Chargers being at home would have really been that much of an advantage for them. We've seen
0: right.
2: you know, we've seen throughout the season that they really don't have a home field advantage, right? Yeah. So and I, actually I, they played they play really well away. They're 7 and 1.
0: Um, yeah, they're 7 and 1 record. away.
2: Yep. So they have a That's actually a pretty incredible
0: record. stat, yeah. Mhm.
2: So, I mean overall, who who do you favor for this game, Kev? I mean I think I mean like first of all, like that Baltimore um Cleveland game in week 17 was just extremely exciting to watch because Baltimore had to win that game yeah. um to get into the playoffs. Because if they ended up losing, the Steelers would have made it over yeah. them, and it it took a lot of guts for them to to make that stop at the end, uh, make that interception. C.J. Mosley making yeah, the C.J. interception, an amazing play. Yeah, because if you dissected that play, he ends up going for he ends up going for the blitz, and then he drops off into coverage at the last second and fools Baker and Baker ends up kind of being baited into that interception. It was an incredible play. And I I was just really impressed with that Ravens defense that they were able to come through because I was fully expecting Baker, especially with the, if you saw the last drive and how that Mm -hmm. last drive went and they want, there were two, two reviews at the end of that
1: um,
2: in that series both going Cleveland's way. Cleveland was on like the 38, 40 yard line or so of Baltimore uh, on Baltimore's half. They only needed like five to six yards to probably have a chance at kicking a field goal to win the game. And Baltimore's defense held strong and was able to grab the interception. So I was extremely impressed by the, uh, the Ravens defense. Ravens defense is rated number one. Um, in all in the all in all of the NFL right now. Um they beat the LA Chargers twenty two to ten. They're playing at home. They have a lot of things going their way. I think their their secondary is extremely, extremely talented with Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young, Eric Weddle, who was a former Chargers, uh former Charger. So they have a lot of components that would favor them in this matchup and then they have that solid running game led by Lamar Jackson, Kenneth Dixon's kind of come on the scene as well. And so it, so has um Gus Edwards. So yeah, the
0: Gus Buzz, yep.
2: Yeah, and Rutgers guy too. So it's mm-hmm. it's just it's really fascinating to kind of see the different styles of play, especially offensively, between both of these teams. I'm I'm going with the Chargers here, even though I listed all of the all of Baltimore's <laughs> advantages um and the reason why I'm going going Chargers is because I just think that Philip Rivers is going to be able to figure out this Baltimore defense in that and I know this Baltimore defense is number one in the league, but I think Philip Rivers is kind of gonna go through the tape that he saw the defense that he saw the past two or two weeks ago, and he's going to be able to analyze a couple of things and they were right with right in that game, even though it was twenty two to ten Antonio Gates ended up fumbling the ball during yep. that last drive yep. as they were driving and were it 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 was just a lot closer than it seemed. And I think Philip Rivers is definitely going to be able to come through in this pressure. And it seems like they play better away from away from home. Yeah, I mean, i that's a pretty convinced... I mean, you almost had me convinced to go with the Ravens after that whole thing.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I think I'm going to have to go with the Chargers here, too. I think that... You're right. I think that I just trust a very veteran Philip Rivers here over... Um, you know, the rookie Lamar Jackson here. I mean, Lamar Jackson has a lot of confidence in his ability, you know, promising that Super Bowl uh, (laughs) for the Ravens, but I think they're going to have to wait a few years for that. I just don't see this team having,
0: you know,
2: part of what makes the Ravens so dangerous is, you know, those those timely takeaways, right? So like we said with the Chargers, right, they were able to get that fumble against Antonio Gates that one game, and then you know, against the Browns, you know, C.J. Mosley comes up big. So the defense comes up with these huge takeaways in um, these, you know, crucial moments. So I think, you know, I think that's what could potentially happen here. It, it just seems to fit the storyline of the Chargers so well, where, you know, Philip Rivers just gets picked off or, you know, I don't know, like two missed field goals. Um, it, it just fits like the sort of narrative that we know of the Chargers. But I think this Chargers team is a little bit different, a little bit more talented, not only on the offensive end, right. With both the Williams and uh, Keenan Allen, um, you know, Melvin Gordon as well, but also on the defensive end as well. Right. 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 Exactly. And I mean, hopefully Melvin Gordon's healthy enough to be playing in this game, It seemed like he went off the field last game. So I'm not right. exactly sure what his health status is, Um but I think the Chargers have enough defensively to make the adjustments to stop Lamar Jackson, and I think I think they're really, really going to uh, force Lamar Jackson to throw, try to throw the ball in this game, and they're really going to stack the box, and I think that's what's going to ultimately be Baltimore's downfall in that. Lamar Jackson's going to have to make a play with his arm, and I'm not exactly sure if he can, if he's going to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean if, if the first half sort of plays out like the Chargers get the lead, you know, by a, a touchdown, maybe you know, ten points. Right, I think that's a really dangerous position for the Ravens to be in to to sort of play from behind. Right, right. They need to keep it extremely close, and you know, let the defense win the game for them and really just be patient with the run game too. Right. I, I totally agree with that. So it seems like we both have the LA Chargers in this matchup. Um and I think I think one question to ask is how far do you think the Chargers can go? Um especially with if because we both have Indy winning and then we both have the Chargers winning, which means that we have both wild card teams winning. To advance, and that would set up Indianapolis against the Chiefs, and then that would set up the Chargers going to New England. So, I think with with those predictions, it it wouldn't be out of left field if the Chargers end up going into Foxborough and beating New England. Yeah, I well, I could totally. I, I'm I'm, I'm kind of hoping because as a Jets fan, that would be <laughs> great to see. But yes. Yeah, I mean I've always been like a semi, chart like it's always been like a sort of secondary team that I've uh, always liked a little bit with the Ladainian uh, back when I was a kid. But I'd love I'd love to see the Chargers beat the Patriots in Foxborough, and I think that's a real possibility actually. Right? Yeah, it, it's a. I think it's a real possibility. Very winnable game. Yeah, and it would and it would set up a really mm-hmm. exciting matchup if. So he takes care of business against the Colts and sets up that AFC West matchup between those two teams. And they've been the best two teams in the AFC um, this year. So I think it would set up a really prime matchup between those two teams. So that'd be really exciting to watch. And do you think the Colts have a shot against I KC? Think, I think it's going to just have to be... Andrew Luck versus Mahomes, and Andrew Luck's just going to have to outscore that Chiefs team, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, so I think it would be extremely tough for them to be able to do that. But anyways, going to that last matchup of the weekend between Philadelphia, going to Chicago at Soldier Field, um, playing the Chicago Bears and that really tough Chicago Bears defense. What are your thoughts on the, on this game? General thoughts. Now, this was this spot, the six seed spot, was up for grabs. We didn't really talk about it, but let's get into mm. it a little bit more in Week Seventeen about how the Vikings kind of choked it away um, in terms of going for that six seed. And what your thoughts were on that before we get into this matchup. Yeah, I'm just really extremely disappointed in, in the Vikings. You know, I, I think Mike. <laughs> Did not make you put, look good? I put a lot of stock put a lot of stock into that Vikings team. I put a lot of stock into experience, Mike Zimmer, you know, a little bit of Kirk Cousins in that offense. Um and that experienced defense, but it really made me look bad. there. It wasn't even a good game against the Bears. The Bears were just moving the ball however they wanted on offense. And then on, on, you know, when the Vikings took over on offense, it was pretty shocking that they couldn't really generate much, you know, with Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, like you're paying your quarterback ridiculous amount of money at this point. And you have Dalvin Cook, like that, that offense should be able to put away more than 10 points at home. I don't even care if it's against the Bears here. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that just kind of highlights the strength of how good this Bears defense is and being able to put up, put up a dominant performance like they did
0: yes. in a
2: game that ultimately in the second half proved meaningless because the the Rams were just, absolutely destroying the 49ers in their game so it's not like Chicago had that much to play for in the second half because they pretty much knew that they were going to be the three seed and didn't have a shot at the two seed so it's not like they were it's it's not like they had a huge incentive to win that game against the Vikings um and I think we we kind of outlined it and talked about it in terms of which team if I were Chicago would I rather play between the Vikings yeah. and and the Eagles and I said I'd rather play the Vikings 100%. Yeah, and I those I, two teams.
1: I mean, and obviously
2: in retrospect I I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And then and then it just with that if Chicago ended up losing that game to the Vikings they would have played the Vikings again for, during the wild card game. So it's not like Chicago had a huge incentive to win this game and the Vikings were still not able to win it. Yeah, I mean, I'm selling my my Viking stock at the lowest point here, but taking a loss on that one. I'm (laughs) taking a definite loss loss on that one. You know, it's all right. I'll I'll take my earnings from, um, you know, calling the Colts a few weeks back. But yeah, for me, I mean, this Eagles team. Let's talk, talking about the matchup a little bit more. This Eagles Bears matchup. I mean, the Eagles are dangerous, right? I'm looking at the lines here. It's five and a half for Chicago. Um, they're playing at Soldier Field. That's. I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty high line for this Bears team here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little high. They do have it favored by three. I think. It's. I think it's a lot to put on a playoff debut with Matt. Matt Nagy, and then with all and, Olson, and, and you know, Trubisky. Trubisky, and I really don't know how to feel about Trubisky. I'm not exactly sure where he ranks in terms of these, in terms of the young quarterback rankings, because
0: he I, I agree.
2: A de- he had a decent year, but he just doesn't seem to inspire
0: consistency. The, here. Yeah,
2: yeah, the amount of consistency or the confidence that I, I would have in someone like. You know, earlier in the year, we did rankings for this and in terms of, like, the Carson Wentz's or even someone like Jared Goff, you know, Mm. where I think people are probably a little bit more confident in those two types of quarterbacks in comparison to what Trubisky puts out on the field. But he's had a pretty decent year, albeit he ended up being hurt for a little bit of the year. And he's now getting back from his injury and slowly recovering. And it seems like he's 100% or as close to 100% as you can be heading into the playoffs. And that's the one area of concern that I have for Chicago. It seems like Chicago hasn't been able to find a quarterback forever. Like they had Jay Cutler for a bit. Rex Grossman mm-hmm. led them to that Super Bowl appearance. But it doesn't seem like they've had a bon- bona fide quarterback um for the Chicago Bears in forever or in as long as I can remember so I wonder if Trubisky is that guy and he's going to be able to take the next step and lead this Bears team into the divisional round of the playoffs against um against the Rams yeah and what was pretty encouraging from that, uh, you know, Bears Vikings game was how much uh Nagy poured the run game, right? We saw a lot more Jordan Howard there than I thought, and I think that's what we're gonna you know, see a little bit more of against the Eagles. I think that's gonna be extremely occult by the game. You know, see Jordan Howard, sort of open up the field for Trubisky a little bit. Don't ask him to do too much in his very first playoffs game. Right. So I I could see this you know, being another relatively low scoring game, um, you know, really dictated by the Bears trying to dictate the pace with their running game, um, and the Eagles just trying to be aggressive. Right. You know, Nick <laughs> Doug Peterson was doing some really aggressive, like fourth down plays. Um, but they were working actually. So I, I'm really interested to see if, you know, Nick Foles could could, you know, pull off some more magic, probably in you know, what I what I think is the best defense in uh the NFL. Yeah, and also to kind of add on to that Bears run game, like Tariq Cohen's kind of been this change of pace back for them and mm-hmm. game changer for them that he's so he's like so tiny, he gets lost on behind that those huge offensive linemen and then like you you don't see him on the screen or you think he's already gone down and then he kind of like squirts out of there similar to what Darren Sproles does for for Philly um and he just kind of weaves his way in and out of of that huge pile and kind of makes a move and goes um goes for touchdowns and it's pretty impressive to see him Uh, due to things that he does at his size. Like him and Darren Sproles are basically the same type of player, and they're playing opposite teams this week. Um, So I think that's something to look out for. I also did want to highlight the Eagles' defensive line in that they have a Mm -hmm. lot of those uh, defensive linemen that have a huge pedigree um, with playoff experience like Michael Bennett, like Brandon Mm -hmm. Graham, um, Fletcher Pletcher uh, Cox. Cox as well, uh, yep. giving that interior pressure. And the Bears have a pretty decent offensive line um, in terms of protecting Trubisky. But that defensive line, especially in the playoffs, this is what those guys like Michael Bennett uh, are bought in for and get paid for to be able to put pressure on quarterbacks in big moments. And I'm curious to see how – how that defensive line looks in terms of generating enough pressure on that Chicago or on Trubisky because the back end of that defense is not that solid at all with mm. with a lot of the injuries that they've had. Yeah, I mean, so for me, I, I do think this line is high for Chicago, at five and a half. So I was just betting the line. I I probably have the Eagles. But if we're just gonna play like a pick 'em like who who wins Yep, just a straight I, up pick 'em type of game. Yeah, I think the Bears I, I, I still favor the Bears. I I mean they are a better team than the Eagles for me. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just me being on the bandwagon for the Eagles this playoff run in terms of just being like
0: Yeah, I just
2: I just want to see Nick Foles go far. Like yeah. I'm just on that train and really want to just see this, see the storyline of this journeyman quarterback lead the Eagles to another uh, Super Bowl.
0: Hopefully yeah, or if,
2: another <laughs> the Patriots again. Yeah, or just like some like the storyline would just be incredible if something like that happened. Like, could you imagine if uh, if like this was like a Hollywood script and someone turned that in and. They were like, yeah, for the second year in a row, this journeyman quarterback led them to the Super Bowl. People would be like, nah, that's way too good to be true. So
0: it would be I mean, an how- incredible
2: story, but it would just, yeah. It, I mean, I I see it ending probably in the next round against, um, against the Saints, but I think it would be an incredible story to follow for one more week. Yeah, and, you know, how far does Nick Foles have to get for, you know, the sort of rumblings to occur for, you know, him to take over Carson Wentz's job. I mean, I was definitely thinking about, about this and debating this with different people. And I think if he's able to take down the Saints and make it to the NFC Championship game, I mm-hmm. think there's going to start – there's going to be some types of conversations of
0: I, – I totally agree, Do we yeah, keep yeah.
2: him or – And, I mean, if he wins this game, I don't think there's going to be that chatter at all. But there's talk earlier this week um, in terms of Carson Wentz not being put on IR and Mm. for the season and him possibly coming back and possibly backing holes up during this game. It doesn't seem likely at all. But it seems like they're open to the possibility of Wentz possibly – um, being healthy enough to play, which sounds ridiculous because of what they had in bowls, and just let the guy heal. But I think if you were to beat the Saints in the dome, at, or, yeah, in the Superdome, and with them not, with with the Saints having the year that they've had this year, then I think you'll start getting real serious inqu- inquiries slash questions about, does Nick Foles deserve that job? Yeah, I I think that's spot on. I I can't imagine like even if the Bears, you know, even if they beat the Bears, uh, you know, I I wouldn't make that choice to keep Foles over Wentz. But I think I that I if, wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah, I I just think that having like you know ten more years of Wentz is probably going to be better than like the next like five years of Foles. Yeah, it totally makes sense from an economic standpoint as well. Yeah, like it just doesn't make sense to have two quarterbacks that are getting paid forty million dollars combined or whatever it's going to take. Yeah, I mean, but what if you were to trade Carson Wentz? I mean, yeah, I think for, I, mean, I think for for full, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, you I could mean, get a quite a decent amount for Carson Wentz, maybe like yeah, like two first rounders even you probably could and i think that would be a fascinating uh storyline if it were to develop um it would, I, it would just be incredible because i think car, a ta- talent like carson wentz would never mm. be on the trade market because of how talented he is and the type of franchise guy he is because potentially people are potentially talking about him as possibly uh being like the heir apparent to Being one of the best quarterbacks, and he was an MVP candidate. Right, right. So it he could possibly succeed the upper echelon of quarterbacks that we've seen in Brady, like Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, um, along with him and Patrick Mahomes taking that mantle from those guys once those guys are ready to. I guess relinquish that control. I think mm. people were talking about him in that conversation, and those guys just never become available unless they had it, unless they've had a serious injury, like Peyton Manning did with his neck. And we, I know that Wentz has had injuries, but it's not been like a career-threatening injury. It's been stuff that.
0: With Other time, quarterbacks have right? Dealt with, yeah. Right,
2: exactly. With time, he's able to recover. But it, this is probably the first time I can remember where another guy comes in is basically stealing his shot, his, his shot or his spot. Um, and the veteran stealing the rookie's job, yep. Yeah, and I or mean, the, the young guns, right? Exactly. And a, a lot has to be uh written about this storyline. Still, um, I mean, Folds still has to probably beat Chicago this week and then beat the Saints next the following week for this to even be a question. But I think it's a really interesting slash dramatic subplot that I think a lot of sports talk shows like First Take, like, uh, what's it called? Um, What's the, the other show? Something? Yeah, the other one. Yeah, the one's no, the no. List. yeah, yeah. I, I forget what it's called. First Take and like... I don't know. It's the one with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, and I think though a lot of those talk shows are definitely hoping something, some controversy ends up happening like that as well, so that they have another talking point to talk about. So, Mike, it seems like I'm going to go down through the list again, just to remind myself. So, we both have Indy against Houston. Yep. I have Seattle, you have Dallas. We mm-hmm. both have the Chargers, and then we split on the eagles and the chicago game where i have the eagles and do have chicago so i think we have a good mix of we have two different differentials in terms of what we think think is going to happen uh, i'll keep the tally throughout the course of the playoffs just to see who ends up being right and you know me and you are both extremely competitive um, as brothers and as guys that grew up with sports we were always competitive whether it be Uh, ping pong downstairs in our basement, whether it be (laughs) video games, uh, whether it be one-on-one basketball, we're always extremely competitive. So it's going to be fun to see who's right in predicting the playoff matchups uh, to end the year um, in the NFL. So Mike, before I actually let you go, I think there's some other stuff around the NFL, um, maybe for some non-playoff teams and that have really interesting storylines. Obviously, you know, the Monday following the last Sunday or following following week 17 is known as Black Monday
0: because
2: mm-hmm. of the coaches that get fired from teams that have underperformed or haven't made the playoffs and we have a ton of openings in the NFL now. I think we I think it's up to eight uh coaching uh, jobs that are open including the green bay and cleveland job uh with mccarthy getting fired and with hugh jackson getting fired um because the interims haven't earned those jobs yet or the, they haven't converted to full-time positions uh our jets ended up flying todd bowles adam mm-hmm. gaze got fired from the dolphins um i mentioned mccarthy got fired from from green bay um who else Um, I'm the Cleveland job is open as well. Although Greg Williams has done a fantastic job there. Um, He ended up, uh, he's in the running for the full-time position, but Hugh Jackson got fired. Uh, Steve Wilkes ended up getting fired from the Cardinals after one season. Um, Let's see. Vance Joseph also got fired from the Broncos. And I think, I believe that's it. Oh, and Marvin Lewis ended up retiring or (laughs) retiring in quotes um, from his Bengals job. So there's a lot of jobs open. um, And and there's this narrative about minority head coaches getting fired um, and losing their jobs. I think there's only like one or two black head coaches left in the league right now. So Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting subplot as well. But what I wanted to ask you is, do you have, and we can make this Jets specific, do you have a preference as to who you want as the next New York Jets quarterback, head coach? Yeah, I think that for me, it's just getting that sort of head coach that could really develop Darnold and and put a serviceable offense around him. So for Mm -hmm. me, that really comes down to probably two names, right? Um, You know, one of them seems to be leading the sort of candidate pool for the Jets position, but that's Todd Monken from, um, you know, the Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. He's, He's really, you know, oversaw, you know, the Bucs haven't been a great team overall, but that offense... whether it's like Jameis, whether it's been, you know, Fitzmagic, right? It's always been humming and able to score a lot of points. So I think that's definitely a really interesting potential candidate uh, for the New York job and something that I'd be relatively happy with. Mm -hmm. I think the second name would be Eric. I'm not sure I even say his last name, but it's the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he he would definitely be an interesting candidate. I, I, I'm I just really looking for the offensive uh, coordinators who could transition into the head coaching role, right? Because he's, I don't know, maybe as a Jets fan as well, but we've always had that sort of defensive head coach, whether it's Todd Bowles, whether it's Rex Ryan, right? So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what a offensive coordinator type of uh, head coach can do with, you know, Sam Darnold here. And the one name I really just don't
0: want is Mike McCarthy. Interesting.
2: Why Why do you feel that way? Because not that I would want McCarthy, but I think it's not like it would be a terrible type of coach to hire. I mean, he's kind of had that experience with
0: He's with, had the uh, Super Bowl.
2: Right. He's had Super Bowl experience. I mean, maybe that's more of a product of, The talent that was on the roster itself, with Rodgers just kind of leading the way. But what are your reservations behind that? You know, we'll see. We'll see. But it's just the hesitation around that. You know, he wasn't able to really get along with the star quarterback, right? Maybe that's Rodgers. You know, it 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 has been said that Rodgers is a pretty difficult personality. But the fact that he hasn't been able to completely no work with that star quarterback. That's just what gives me a reservation about Mike McCarthy. hmm And I mean, there's a lot of names on the New York Jets uh coaching yeah. coaching list. I mean the I think I think one of the things that I also found intriguing about the way that it was set up as well was that the GM uh McKagan was retained by the Jets and he wasn't like go. go, to yeah. Yeah, and I was it was kind of a curious move to kind of keep one and let go of the other. And I'm not exactly sure what Chris Johnson, who's the CEO of the Jets, who took over for Woody Johnson, um, was thinking about when he made that decision to, to keep the GM but not the head coach. And it seems like what McCagnin did in 2015 when he got hired and over his tenure with the draft picks, the free agent signings, it doesn't seem like it's worked very well at all. And I think the the moves that he's done hasn't really warranted him to keep his job. And Yeah, I would worried that he should be drafting a third pick Right. And I'm kind of worried that he's in charge of ninety million dollars of our free agency money as well. So I'm not exactly sure and and it's a worry because I think he might be he might think short term more so if you look mm-hmm. at what he did with the IDZIC money, um, because he ended up having a a huge free agency um, I guess pool of money to to kind of spend after John Idzik, because he ended up signing that Antonio Cromartie deal, Darrell Rivas, all those deals, Marcus Gilchrist, um, Buster Screen, that was the year that he ended up giving those big money deals to all those guys. And at the time, it looked great, but none of those guys are on the team, or at least Buster – I mean, one of those guys is on the team as of now. And looking back at his free agency signings, it seems like James Carpenter – was one of the only solid type of starters that have, I I guess, made an impact. I mean, he made a couple this past year with Avery Williamson, who kind of had a good, good year uh, for the Jets. But overall, it doesn't seem like what he's done has inspired that much. Um, Agreed, yeah. I guess, like... Confidence. He hasn't done enough. I mean, yeah, he hasn't yeah. he hasn't inspired enough confidence in me to kind of believe that he he deserves the job still. I mean, the only thing that he, maybe he does have a check mark next to his name is that he's done a good job of leveraging some of the lower draft picks for productive players like Henry Anderson on the defensive line. But other than mm-hmm. that, I'm not too wild about McCagnon. Um I'm kind of curious to see what type of quarterback or what type of I keep saying quarterback, what type of head coach that they hired? Because I think some of the guys that are, on the, are, I guess, being seen, Mike McCarthy, um, like who I think, what was it? The offense coordinator for the Chiefs, Eric B. Mm-hmm. M. Yeah, I I have no idea how to pronounce that. Uh, Who would you I'm, be most excited for? I would kind of be excited for um like a Jim Harbaugh, someone like, like I don't think he's even a big And big. I don't I don't think he's leaving Michigan. Um but it would be fascinating to see. I mean, he had an amazing record with San Francisco when he when he was with them. Kind of went south at post the whole Colin Kaepernick stuff and then not being able to perform well or maybe even someone like an uh, offensive coach uh, that's really had productive offenses in the college game, like Cliff Kingsbury or someone like that, I think would be a really out-of-the-box choice. But it seems like there's kind of a void of these offensive coordinator types in the mm. NFL lately because of how many guys have gotten hired over the re- over recent years. Um, probably over the past couple of years, like Sean McVay um and a ho- whole host of other um offensive corner coordinators have gotten hired like Frank Reich with the um with the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, it would it would be nice to get an offensive type of minded coach because of because of the past couple of coaches the Jets have had. Yeah, I think I think that Cliff Kingsbury, you know, suggestion is is a really really fascinating one, and you know that could be like our own little version of a Sean McVay, and I think everyone's sort of looking for that right now. But yeah, I I really like that that call as well. Yeah, so I mean, I just wanted to get your thoughts on on that and the coaching carousel that goes on as well. Um, so. Thanks, Mike, for coming on to the podcast this week. I'm really excited about this week of games because it's going to be fascinating to watch. I'll definitely be sitting on the couch watching all the games uh, this Mm -hmm. weekend because it's just going to be extremely exciting to diagnose and figure out how these teams end up playing. I wonder if they switch it up or kind of go with the game plan that's brought them here to the playoffs and kind of just follow through with that plan as well. Is there anything specific that you're looking forward to or you're excited about this weekend? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm really looking forward to the Sunday games, and for me, Wild Card Weekend is probably my favorite. You know, besides Week One or you know some of the later weeks, but I I actually think the Wild Card Weekend is probably the most interesting uh, you know week of of football.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And for me I'm I'm really fascinated by by the Chargers Ravens in particular and uh Eagles Bears. Right. I wanna see yeah. if this Chargers team that we believe so much in, you know, really can make the run. I, I just wouldn't be as excited if the Ravens were to make it through just I don't think that their ceiling is a Super Bowl just yet. Right? Yeah. But I do think that they could beat a Chargers team here. hmm Um and for me you know, I, I guess I guess I want to see that storyline with Nick Foles, the Eagles, as well. Let's
0: I, I go, think it'd be Foles, a fascinating thing. I know, I
2: know. And yeah. I, I sort of just believe in him too.
0: Yeah, I know. yeah. logic.
2: I, logic tells me that the Bears are going to win here. Yeah, it just seems like he kind of has that aura about him. So invincibility, yeah. right? And he just has it. Just it seems like he has it where you know that he's going to be there at the end of the game, regardless of how well he's feeling, whether his rib is cracked or not. It seems like he's just going to be there and going to be able to compete. So I'm really excited to see that game as well and see if he's able to pull it off and lead his team to the next round. So, Mike, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Um, Listeners, just be on the lookout for other podcasts this week. I'm actually interviewing Louis Maldonado probably tomorrow. So talk about that. That'll be a great one. Yep. Talk about his soccer experience growing up, playing in D1 at Columbia University, like his brother, Dan, which if you guys haven't listened to, I recorded last week. So give a listen to that one. And I'm going to be also interviewing, interviewing Pat Shelberg, who is a incredible, incredible runner. Um, in high school and in college so he's had a a really long illustrious running career so I'm going to talk to him about that next week so there's a lot of stuff on the horizon um, and I just want to thank the listeners for being with me for the past six months and I hope that they are with me in the new year in 2019 so thanks guys and thanks for listening